1: Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton.
2: And I'm Candace Lim. And you're listening to ICymi.
1: In case you missed it.
2: Slate's podcast about internet culture.
1: And what a week it has been. Candace and I have been working together in person all week. If you've noticed, the vibes have been immaculate. That's because they have been. We have had so much coffee. So many conversations. So many meals. So many dinners.
2: And would you say we've been having girl dinners, Rachel?
1: No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would never say that because I. Why are we talking about this?
2: Uh huh. Uh huh. We are talking about this because you know, for those who have lives, um, girl <laughs> dinner is a term, a phrase, a hashtag that has popped up on social media this summer. It was on, like, the Today Show, like, Jenna Bush Hager talked about it, but it really all started in May with a TikTok posted by Olivia Maher.
3: I cannot find the TikTok right now, but
2: a girl just came on here and said how, like, in medieval times, peasants had to eat nothing but bread and cheese and how awful that was. And she was like, that's my ideal meal. This is my dinner.
1: This dinner she displays includes grapes, two slices of bread, butter, something in a jar like olives and it's basically kind of an unplated charcuterie board just kind of splayed out on her counter but she calls it quote medieval peasant or girl dinner
2: Mm -hmm. i just think what's really funny is that she tagged the video as hashtag girl dinner and hashtag medieval tiktok (laughs) so like there is another world where we could be having a conversation about people jousting on maine But anyway, a lot of girlies have been posting their girl dinners on TikTok. And this is some sort of version of like pasta with shredded cheese and oil on top or like popcorn in a pot, pickles and strawberries, Triscuit crackers. Like very simple, small one, two step type meals that you eat like right when you get home because you're just like tired and you need to eat something.
1: Sorry, I was just imagining a world in which we were jousting on Maine because Mm. that's the world that I would rather be in. Because quite frankly, we already have a word for this and it's called a snack. (laughs) And a lot of people eat snacks. All genders. Squirrels eat snacks. I've been watching a lot of uh, Planet Earth lately. Walruses eat snacks. Everyone loves a nibble. But this designation as a girl dinner, a girl's dinner, is stirring up some controversy because there have been people on social media wondering if, like, so much of wellness and eating content, if this is actually about dieting. If we are perhaps glamorizing these little portions, these mini meals, these girl dinners as the ideal portion a woman should eat. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think there's kind of been this like growing caution among women on TikTok about eating behavior and like whether something is actually an eating disorder in disguise or if this TikTok is like normalizing eating disorders. But on top of that, the goral part of it is also very restricting because like what do boys not eat charcuterie boards? Do boys not love a snack, a nibble, a pasta with oil on top? Like I I can understand where the pushback is coming from. It's creating division where we did not need it.
1: And importantly, there's no real um, generalized understanding of what a girl dinner is. There's a girl dinner TikTok filter now, and one of the options is a whole rotisserie chicken. (laughs) What are we talking Uh. about? BuzzFeed also talked to a few dietitians to see what the nutrition field is saying about this. And Esther Tomby told BuzzFeed that girl dinner could potentially lead women to feeling like they need to eat a certain way. Shocker when have women ever felt that way? The issue, according to Tambi, is that a person should be eating what provides them full, adequate nourishment. And that can be more or it can be less than what you see another girl post on TikTok when they're doing their "what I eat in a day video. But on top of that, this is the kind of messaging that anyone of any age can have access to. That is kind of the perils of TikTok, is that it's basically an open-air stadium. And sometimes, I'm not gonna lie, it makes me think about that phrase, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels, which has been rattling around in my head like a fucking lead bullet for the past 27 years. It just kind of in a non-intentional way, reminds me of the Paris Hilton era where we saw, you know, protruding hip bones and thought that's what we're supposed to look like. When we talk about the next generation of girls and what they're being subjected to, what messages they're getting about their bodies and diet culture, this could very easily be a part of that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Girl dinner, the hashtag, kind of promotes this one way to be. And that way is like small bites, low calories, no carbs. And I just feel like people are hungry and they're not letting themselves be fed because what? They're scared of eating the opposite of a girl dinner, which I guess is like a big boy brunch. And it's just stupid. (laughs) Like it's dumb. And also my whole thing is like comparing one's body to anyone else's. But also, like assigning one's intake to a negative or positive value is inherently so unproductive. It just creates self hate when you could be not hating yourself. So,
1: basically, what I'm trying to say is I'm a woman and I hate it here. LOL. I'm a woman and I hate it here. The ICYMI slogan. Mm -hmm. I think what we're really getting at is the way phrases like girl dinner are just so fucking infantilizing. Mm -hmm. Like, why are we gendering snacks? The one thing I will say about girl dinner that I enjoy is that it sometimes feels like when you are a busy person with a job who needs to feed themselves, the option is either a full, you know, meal that has been prepared lovingly by your own hands or just eating nothing at all. There's this real guilt placed on not having what seems to be like the meat, veg, carb meal that everyone is plating on their Instagram. So sometimes the choice is, you know, a handful of popcorn, seven olives, and some deli meat, and nothing. And I would rather you eat the various charcuterie board you've created for yourself. But why does it need to be a trend? Why do we need to put ourselves into marketing categories without the marketers doing it for us? Why are we doing the work of advertising for other people?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I also just wanted to note that I've kind of noticed that a lot of these girl dinner posts are like very American or like European coded snacks, just very Western foods, very American school lunchbox stuff. Because like when I came home from school, I would go straight to the rice cooker, eat leftovers. And that was like my after school snack. And I just find this definition of what qualifies as a girl dinner to be quite restrictive but also like culturally narrow and i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it frankly whites this is a whites girl dinner and if i want to finish half of my california burrito from last night guess what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do it i'm not even gonna heat it up i'm gonna eat it cold
1: okay i am judging you for that but that's 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 (laughs) your own choice that's your choice listen girls are allowed to do what they want Mm -hmm. girls are allowed to in fact be women (laughs) Mm -hmm. shocker i'm not anti-girl dinner I am anti-girl dinner TM. Mm. There is just no need for us to turn what was basically a funny observation of sometimes I don't feel like feeding myself and I stand hunched over my sink, scooping peanut butter out of a jar like a rabbit squirrel because capitalism has forced me to. There was no need to turn that funny observation into an entire trend cycle that we are now talking about like can we just let shit be funny can we just let sometimes like you know common experiences just be that can we not call things girl dinner please (laughs) but thankfully today's episode will not be a girl dinner we are eating a full meal. As promised, we are ending this week with a second Mailbag episode because there is just so much to catch up on. And we're we're here just trying to make sense of this crazy world for y'all, our listeners. Please say thank you.
2: Yeah, so go grab that Kirkland Signature Rotisserie Chicken. <laughs> okay? And you pull it up and you put in the AirPods, because today we're going to talk about two internet figures who might not be household names. We might have heard of them, seen them. They might have popped up on your feed. We're going to be diving into the way NPC live streamers feed into fetish culture, how trad wives or traditional wives are saying, yes, I do the cooking. Yes, I do the cleaning.
1: All of that and more after a break. Hi, y'all. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening to ICYMI, then welcome. We're thrilled to have you here in the ICYMI cinematic universe, the ICU, where the lobotomies are free. In case you missed it, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, so make sure you never miss an episode like this past Wednesdays, which was another extra special mailbag episode. We covered the disappearance of Carly Russell, which um, was not a disappearance. Go to your happy price price line. And we're back. All right, Candace. We're doing a lightning round. Tell mm. me if you know where these words come from. Ice cream, so good. Gang gang balloon. Oh, Jesus
2: Christ. Yeah, yeah, I knew I do know about this. This is that girl on um TikTok, her name is like Pinky Doll,
1: right? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we are talking about the new MPC trend happening on TikTok. We got a question about this, and we're we're here to answer. So TikTok has this live feature, which is kind of like Instagram Live. And a niche community of TikTok creators have been doing these MPC trends. I... I can't describe this without y'all knowing what it sounds like, so let's just play a clip of that.
3: Rah, rah. Gang, 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 gang. <sniffs> mm, ice be so good. Balloon. <sniffs> gang, 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 gang.
1: You'll notice that they sound like video game characters or some kind of caricature that's just like not human. It's almost AI esque. It's Like animation, kid show type stuff.
2: Mm -hmm, Yeah, and NPC stands for non-playable characters. And this is like a video game thing. So there are characters in video games that are pre-programmed. So players can't control them or tell them what to do. And they're usually just like background characters with barely any dialogue. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. If you've ever played Kingdom Hearts, you know, Goofy is an NPC in that game. So these characters emulate NPCs by being... Um, kind of weird. There's no other word for it. I'm sorry. It's kind of weird and unsettling. Like, there's this really weird, eerie, uncanny valley vibe to them. There's just this way that they, as humans, are acting like an animation that really kind of stresses me out because I just don't think that should be happening. They have repetitive speech. They sound monotonous. They only talk in weird, out-of-context catchphrases. But the thing is... Not everyone is turned off by this. In fact, seemingly a lot of people are turned on by it. On TikTok, these creators have been able to make money. And by make money, I mean make bank. Basically, viewers can purchase or send virtual gifts during the live. So this is like sent ice cream or sent gang gang, and the creator will then say gang gang. <laughs> These gifts are also called coins, and one TikTok coin is worth about one cent. But importantly, these virtual coins can be redeemed for real hard cash money.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so these viewers, they become like puppeteers. These creators then become their dolls, their puppets, their sims. And once again, these viewers are paying real money in exchange for an action. So it's kind of a transaction. So let's talk about Pinky Doll, who is kind of at the forefront of this trend. Pinky Doll, the person, is 27 years old. She lives in Montreal. And, you know, she told the New York Times that she started streaming on TikTok to make money. And after doing NPC live streams, she's kind of blown up to the point where she has made like $7,000 daily across TikTok, OnlyFans, Instagram, and She's also been memified for her catchphrase, "Ice cream so good" and "Yes is yes." And by the way, she's like <laughs> saying all of these things while doing weird things like using a hair straightener to heat up popcorn kernels.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that if you put a popcorn kernel in between the blades of a hair straightener, it would turn into popcorn. I guess we're continuing girl dinner. You can make your girl dinner with a hair straightener. Um, importantly, Pinky Doll is reportedly making anywhere from 2 to $3,000 per stream. And in a shocking turn of events, (laughs) Timbaland, yes, producer, artist behind The Way I Are, is a fan. He has shouted out on Twitter. He's donated. He is an angel investor.
2: Where there is a trend, there are followers. So Pinky Doll is not the only NPC live stream creator out there. You know, there is a creator named Natu Koko who has been credited with starting the trend. But, you know, even big creators who already have followings and money like Trisha Paytas, they're jumping on this bandwagon. I think mainly because it seems like easy money.
1: Oh, 100 percent. The moment I saw $7,000 daily, I thought, could I? And then I thought, no, I can't. Because it sounds simple, but this is actually really hard. This is a subset of acting that I don't think a lot of people appreciate because you're basically reacting in real time to people telling you to say this, do that, sing this. And it requires a quick reaction time. Otherwise, people will stop paying coins and stop watching. Then there's this voice, this mannerism, the way you're moving, talking. You can't move or talk in the way that you naturally do. It's a full-on performance. It is, in essence, performance art. You're acting, but the script is being written in real time. Mm -hmm.
2: And I think we should talk about this performance aspect because... There has obviously been backlash to Pinky Doll and the trend. You know, there are some critics saying that NPC live streams do not follow TikTok's policy against, like, sexually suggestive content. Some have said there's an NPC kink or fetish here, that creators are feeding into an economy and a market that does fall into that category.
1: Yeah, Adrienne Sean, who's a student at Spelman College, wrote this really great Medium post called NPC and the AI Doll TikTok Fetish. She pointed out that Pinky Doll, for example, has her hair and makeup done. She is extremely beautiful. She's wearing a low-cut top. There are people suggesting this is a form of sex work. She's not taking her clothes off or performing quote-unquote sex acts because it's TikTok and they are extremely restrictive with that kind of content, but she is making money off of something that could be pretty easily fetishized. We had a listener, Ellie, who wrote in and said these NPC creators are reminiscent of, quote, other cam girl experiences in a very tongue-in-cheek way.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I also think about the transactional nature of it. You know, the fact that people are paying real money for her to do something you know Mm -hmm. that kind of adds to this argument that makes sense and there is this growing awareness that a human does not have to perform a sex act to perform sex work like just think about creators using sims to create like virtual sex scenes and recording it so people can pay for the recording like even if it is not pinky doll's intention for her live streams to be used for that purpose people use it for that purpose and it could be a fetish it could be this way to feed into some desire that they have paid for.
1: There's this darker criticism here too, which is that NPC livestream creators tend to perform behaviors that come off as childish or childlike. It's, you know, the high-pitched sounds, the short phrases, the artful sentences. There's definitely something intentionally diminutive about the performance itself. A TikTok account at MingaLabe spoke up about this and how there's a potential for this NPC trend to maybe make children targets for online predators.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, just kind of condensing their argument a bit, you know. Basically, it is not surprising that a child could be on TikTok and scroll past a Pinky Doll live stream or see someone reposting her, making fun of her, all that stuff. Maybe they pick up the phrase gang gang or ice cream so good. Then that child, who we're kind of constituting in this context as someone who's under the age of 18, Goes on TikTok and either uses that phrase or starts doing their own NPC live streams because it's a trend. It looks fun and easy and like it's popular. I want to do it. I get it.
1: But if we think about NPC live streams as a form of entertainment, it might not definitionally be adult entertainment or a fetish or even intended to be. But because of TikTok and the nature of its audience, children are going to be feeding into this economy. And it's not a huge leap from children encountering this to then maybe wanting to produce it themselves. And now we're in a dark place of children possibly mimicking creators that are being paid for what some people are classifying as sex work.
2: Yeah, and I think what we're getting at is just that TikTok creators... They may make money off their content, but they still do not always have control over how that content is interpreted or how that content is used. You know, they don't have control over what it's classified as, what viewers classify it as. And to some degree, Pinky Doll and other NPC live streamers, I think they know this. I think they know that there is a market that seeks out this content and pays for it because maybe that viewer finds it sexual in nature. And I guess at the end of the day, what I'm trying to kind of figure out is like, Why do people love to watch women infantilize themselves? Like, why is that kind of becoming the steady income for online creators who are also feeding into this trend of, like, women becoming smaller, talking softer, acting cuter, or just, like, baby-like? Like, Like, how is this genuine content?
1: We're going to talk more about that. But before we do, we have to move on to our next related question, which comes from our Twitter. Sorry. X.com DMs. Bobbert. I'm assuming that's your real name, asked, it would be super cool if you guys could do a deep dive into hashtag tradwife TikTok and this girl who used to be normal. Former handle was Gwen Gwiz, and she used to post ASMR and funny dance videos and trends and now she's Gwen the Milkmaid. I feel like they're the same person. Comments in the videos also think they're the same person. All right, we got you covered. Mm -hmm. Bobbert, your government name. (laughs) Candace, do you have any familiarity with this story?
2: I actually don't. But I have to say, I don't really understand why someone would drink unpasteurized milk in 2023.
1: You know... That's not the question I had researching <laughs> this, but it is a a good question. Sure, you know, I I you'll have to ask the homesteaders about that. <laughs> I don't know. I can't drink any kind of milk, so that's not my ministry. I actually ran across this, I think, in the same way our good friend Bobbert did, which is through this TikTok from at Light Ice which is a stitch of the now infamous at the Milkmaid. I'm gonna play Gwen's video first, which doesn't have any real audio besides Proud Mary. In this video, Gwen, who is, you know, a conventionally attractive blonde white woman, is standing in a cute little kitchen, wearing a cute little apron, making what looks to be homemade yogurt. The on-screen caption, not as cute. It reads, POV, used to be a pro-abortion, anti-marriage lesbian feminist, but now you're getting married to your fave man on earth, love serving him and can't wait to make lots of babies. Mm-hmm. The caption says, and that's on getting brainwashed at college. It's absolutely insane to me how much I've changed over the last ten years, lol, just goes to show no one is ever too far gone. Hashtag feminine, not feminist, hashtag Tradwife, hashtag homestead mom, hashtag conservative women, Hashtag pro-life, hashtag anti-abortion. Before I move on, Candace, how do you feel about this?
2: I don't like this. I mean, I don't like this uh, for two reasons. Number one, pregnancy kink. Ugh, leave that ensemble. But second, it's very sad because... This dialogue, this caption particularly, you unfortunately can probably think of a few people who were like this. A few women who, like, went to all-women's college, liberal arts, da 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 da. And then all of a sudden, the next time you see them, they're, like, married to a pastor. And you're like, ah, ah, what happened? But, like, they don't—they're not going to say that on Instagram because
1: it looks how it feels. Stupid. (laughs) Fair. Fair. So— I need you to keep all of that in mind, specifically the hashtags that I just read to you, specifically the hashtag tradwife1, because I'm gonna play you the video that I think Bobbert and I both saw because it went minorly viral. It currently has 3.7 million views. And like I said, it's from at whose name is also Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Rachel's reporting to us live with her friend Izzy, which is why you will hear two voices in this video.
3: I used to watch Gwen's ASMR videos, like- Gwen Guiz. Gwen Guiz ASMR years ago. Like, I want to say even like six plus, five, six plus years ago. At the time that I was watching her videos, she was a lesbian living in the city. She was a fashion influencer girly, living a very normal life by mm-hmm. all accounts. Yes. Um, Eventually she started transitioning into some stuff that was like overtly sexual and just not my ASMR vibe. Yes. So I stopped kind of watching her. Would look at her stuff occasionally, whatever. Um imagine my surprise. When I <laughs> noticed today that the video that I was watching was in fact Gwen Gwen Guiz ASMR. Well, now Gwen the Milkmaid. Now she's Gwen the Milkmaid. Um so yesterday we went on a really deep dive of all of her videos um, branching back to, like, the old ASMR, um, all of the stuff in her... We produced a timeline, We so. made up a timeline, like, to kind of figure out, like, what the vibe was there, and we have come to a really important conclusion, and the conclusion mm-hmm. is that she, almost with 100% certainty, we feel like she does not actually have a fiancé.
2: Okay, that was so fascinating. I mean, the first thing is, are are these girls us?
1: I have the same question. Right? One of them is literally named Rachel.
2: <gasps> oh my god, so I'm the other one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this was so funny. I mean, I really gasp at the allegation that they think she doesn't have a husband. That is hilarious because guess what? If I was an influencer, I would totally pretend I had a husband. I totally get it. But this is wild and it does make me want to know more. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Great. So, yes, something is clearly afoot. And Rachelin is here on the case. Um, the video that we just played went minorly viral, and lots of people are like you, Candace, and want to know more because there's nothing TikTok loves more than a little mystery, a little influencer trickery, a little gossip. In fact, Rachel and Izzy make three more videos about this, producing the timeline they said they created, and I do actually kind of feel like these two could host this podcast, I'm not (laughs) gonna lie.
2: (laughs) I mean, I think they should, because there's so much internet that, like, we can't get to that I would love to kind of create, like, a scooby-dooby-doo,
1: where-are-you situation,
2: and just, like tag team this together call us call us
1: rachel and izzy please do i'm gonna read some choice comments from some of rachel and izzy's videos just to give you a tenor of the conversation and fascination around this mm-hmm. um before your stitch started i was relaying all the gwen guiz lore to my sister and you made all the same points i'm dying all caps that's gwen guiz what <laughs> Tradwives have always previously lived, like, several different influencer lives, and I feel as though I found my fellow anthropologists in this field. Mmm, yeah. I love scholars. I, listen, same, same. So we've got two separate but overlapping topics here. Tradwives and the possible conversion of Gwen to one. We're going to explain both, but first got to take a short break. Kid Nation, a six part podcast from CBC. Available now. And we're back. So before the break, we mentioned some words that were never in the Bible um, ASMR, Gwen Gwiz, Tradwife. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe the last one is, or at least that's what the Tradwives want you to think.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. When we talk about these people, just, like, imagine a stereotypical image of a 50s housewife, except the dress they're wearing is from, like, Shein, and they love Lana Del Rey, and there you go, you can pretty much understand what a trad wife is. Now, the term is a portmanteau of traditional and wife, and... I've largely seen it used in, like, a derogatory way, but unfortunately, it seems like there's, like, this subculture on the internet that is embracing this as an
1: identity. Mm-hmm. And that identity usually includes being anti-abortion and anti-feminist. They usually really, really support homeschooling because, you know, public school indoctrinates children supporting things like vaccines and birth control and mm. 5G Wi-Fi <laughs> They really love catering to their husbands and children, and they try to invoke this nostalgic image of when the man would win the bread and the woman would bake the bread. Why are we both winning and making bread? I don't know. Also, I didn't even come up with that myself. That is actually an audio that went viral on Tradwife TikTok back in April and May. We live in a day and age where traditional homemaking has been forgotten
2: about and even looked down on where women are fighting to be in the same positions as men, indoctrinated to focus more on their careers and less on the home. When God created men and women more than just biologically different, our roles are meant to complement each other, not to compete. Our husbands are to be the breadwinners, as we are to be the bread makers. Somewhere along the line, feminine has been replaced with feminism with the sole purpose of keeping women out of the home, which forces those to rely on the government to teach and raise our children. Marriage is falling apart because the God who created it is being left out of it and an overall disconnect in the home. I mean, speaking of Trad Wife TikTok, you know, the Trad Wife hashtag on TikTok currently has just under 200 million views. And under that hashtag, you'll find videos like the one we just played, and also videos from influencers like Estie Williams, one of the most popular Trad Wife influencers. Here's a little how-to from Esty on how to become a Trad Wife.
0: Number one, embracing ultra-traditional gender roles into your marriage. The man, he is the provider, the main breadwinner. He goes out of the house and works. The woman, the wife, she is the homemaker. She takes care of the home. She takes care of herself, and she does the cooking and the cleaning. Number two, and I cannot stress this enough.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
2: but Rachel, there's more. Please. No. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so here's Esty about some of the unconventional things that she and her husband do in their marriage.
0: So the first one is, I don't leave the house after dark by myself. Um, This is not a control thing. This is a safety thing. I've had a couple encounters and I don't wish to have any more. Along with leaving the house, I always notify my husband when I'm gonna go somewhere and when I arrive. It's safety. Why not, right? And we always share locations with each other. I really recommend the Life360 app. It notifies you when your partner arrives or leaves, and it notifies you if their battery is low.
1: Listen, I love hearing about people's unconventional marriage things, you know, but usually that is at least unconventional and not at all basically what women have been forced to do for their entire existence within the patriarchy, which is be monitored and controlled by their husband. I, there are a lot of things that irritate me about this. This smug superiority as if these women who are all mostly white and also blonde, and I'm wondering if they consider you know, bleaching their hair to be unnatural, but whatever. They all have this smug superiority as if they figured out, you know, the fucking Rubicon, like no one else has ever thought about being entirely financially dependent on their husband, as if that wasn't just the way that most women were forced to live up until 60 years ago. And the thing is, if they're not being smug about it, they're saying that it's like the natural way for the world to work and modern inventions like birth control and... Women being able to open a bank account or just aberrations of nature as if patriarchy doesn't have to be upheld through a lot of legal and extrajudicial means. And that doesn't even begin to touch the fact that this past they're trying to return to never existed. There was never a time period. In which the women that these trad wives are modeling themselves after, which are upper to middle class white women, there was never a time period where those women did all the work of homemaking by themselves. I think people really forget how normal it used to be to have domestic help. Like, between 1880 and 1940, almost all American upper and middle class families had at least one domestic servant that they employed.
2: Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And like, you know, there's this really great piece in hype Bay from Colette Grimes, associate editor and journalist at Hype Bay. Quote, what conservative women on TikTok are completely leaving out is the fact that the housewives of the 1950s heavily relied on the help of women of color to effectively run their households and raise their
1: children. You know, I really thought it was the ugly clothes that pissed me off the most, but actually the thing that pissed me off the most is the Black women who get into this trend. Like, the way my eyebrows shot straight to heaven when I realized that Breadmaker TikTok was made by a Black woman, as if Black women in America ever had the luxury of not working outside the home. Anyway... That's enough on trad wives, or at least that's enough on trying to understand them. I I can't contort myself any further. Back to Gwen.
0: Yeah,
2: and actually, before we get to Gwen, I do want to say that there is something particularly disturbing about this whole back to the homestead movement rising just as women's rights are also being rolled back across the country. You know, obviously, the work of homemaking and child should be valued and maybe influencerized, but not like this.
1: Very fair point. And actually one that I think makes Gwen's pivot a bit more sinister. So Gwen Gwiz, or Gwen Swinnerton has been an influencer for a very long time. She started her YouTube channel, Gwen Gwiz ASMR, back in 2011, though the oldest video on the channel is from 2017. Unfortunately, there aren't any snapshots of her channel on the Wayback Machine before March of this year, so I can't say for sure she had videos before 2017, but Rachel and Izzy are both very confident that she did.
2: Mm -hmm. And Gwen's ASMR career is about just what you expect from a pretty blonde woman doing ASMR. She's doing makeup tutorials. She's doing fall fashions. She's doing reformation hauls. And over on her Instagram account, she's posting, like, aesthetic photos out of airplane windows and carousels of her in, like, cute little lingerie sets, a.k.a. very
1: not on the homestead. (laughs) You say it's what you expect. But then there's this video from three years ago that is an ASMR kidnapping roleplay. Shh, be quiet. Stop
0: squirming. I'll be back soon. Shh.
2: Hey, I mean, listen. I don't. I don't yuck anyone's yum. You're better than me. So, when did Gwen pivot? Seems like about five months ago. You know, her last video on her ASMR account was February, and it's basically a goodbye video saying that she'll be focusing on her main page and some other business ventures. I'm gonna be taking a little
3: break from making ASMR videos. Um, I'm working on launching a
1: new business. At the end of this year and there is so much, so much to do and I'm a little overwhelmed. Before we move on, can I just say I actually find ASMR like this very unsettling. Like, it makes my skin crawl hearing people talk like that. Anyway, what's she venturing into? <laughs> what's the business she's venturing into?
2: So the business is, I guess, tradwifing. Because more accurately, according to the bio of her new main IG account at Gwen the Milkmaid, she's homemaking and homesteading and also doing farm life. In the suburbs. February is also when her first video was posted on her Gwen the Milkmaid TikTok account. And from the beginning of this account, she is clearly into homesteading and homeschooling, which is funny because she has no kids, okay? And she lives in the suburbs of Ontario, Canada. And she's not married, although she pretty consistently mentions a boyfriend who apparently doesn't support her dreams to buy a 100 acre farm with her pals. So she's kind of like this typical off the grid, anti birth control, crunchy girl until around March. April, which is when she posts her first few TikToks that use the hashtag TradWife. And importantly, it's one of these videos that's the first on this page to get over a million views. I
3: don't need the
2: the on screen caption reads Society wants women out of the house because when a woman doesn't raise her children, the government and internet does. <laughs>
1: I just find it funny that she's posting on the very same internet that's apparently brainwashing children. It's also funny that she starts using trad wife conservative hashtags a lot more after this video, which along with the fact that the floral dresses she's wearing are all from Shein just make me think this is just an elaborate cosplay. Like if you don't trust the Canadian government, why are you trusting clothes made of plastic that allegedly have lead in them? mm-hmm,
2: yeah, like Justin Trudeau, I trust that man and like Rachel, you might be right, but that's not the question that Bobert
1: asked. I'm gonna be honest, I forgot at this point that there was even a question I got caught up in the kidnapping ASMR uh yeah, the question is, is Gwen Guiz ASMR the same person as Tradwife, Gwyn the milkmaid And the answer is yes definitively it is the same person. What does this pivot mean? Truly, only Gwen could tell us for sure, but that's not really the point of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but
2: we can and will tell you what we think it means because, you know, there's kind of been like this through line throughout this episode that we haven't really explicitly said of women infantilizing themselves online for views. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Look, I support, you know, getting a bag however you will, you know. In two years, you'll probably see me being Candace Owens <laughs> and then immediately saying that I was doing that for views because it's very easy to trick conservatives. Like, it's a pivot within a pivot, and I don't think any of you should be surprised when you see it. But if someone were to say to me, you are perhaps setting people back by doing that, I'll be like, so true, so true. And I think that's what's happening here. Like, all three of these things we've mentioned, which is the trademarking of girl dinner. Pinky doll saying yum, 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 or whatever the fuck she's saying on those lives. And Gwen going from ASMR to homesteading in the suburbs, which feels like an oxymoron to me, I'm not going to lie, all just feel like very calculated ways of trying to make money online by getting views, perhaps by shocking people, perhaps by angering people perhaps by convincing people that, you know, they're just a 25-year-old teenager who can't make dinner for themselves. (laughs) And I'm tired of it. Tired of digging these holes, Grandpa.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's funny because at the end of the day, all I really want in life is to just eat a big lasagna and, like, be happy. Like, Garfield the cat. I want to be Garfield the cat. But I think what I'm also thinking about when it comes to these three stories is this idea of fantasy and this idea of mm. what the woman of a modern age fantasizes her life to be, mm-hmm. you know? It's interesting because when we talk about Tradwife, girly Gwen or whatever, <laughs> her previous life, the ASMR and the kidnapping and all that stuff, that really reminded me of like fan fiction topics and tags. And I was like, okay, so this is a person who clearly had a very vast Internet lifestyle, a very vast, deeply seated in narrative, fan fiction, all that stuff. And then she becomes some version of herself. And the thing is, like, obviously, I cannot tell how true Gwen the person is to Gwen the milkmaid. I cannot tell how true Pinky Doll is from the 27-year-old in Montreal. But I just kind of wonder if women are, like, now kind of projecting this idea of the female, which is reverting back back reverting mm-hmm. back to what like even before our grandmothers and grandfathers and all those people i'm thinking like george washington type of woman like it's so weird but at the same time under all of these undercurrents is this idea that there's people kind of being controlled here right like mm-hmm. the trad wife is controlled by the husband if he allegedly exists. Pinky Doll is controlled by the viewers who unfortunately have this direct line to her pocket to, you know, paying for her son and all this stuff. And then Girl Dinner is just kind of like controlling ourselves because we think that's what's trendy. We think that's what people want to see. And it's like, once again, my fantasy in life is to go home and eat the lasagna like Garfield. So where's my Garfield dinner?
1: Where? Where? I mean, you're making a really great point. And I think a lot of this is a reaction to the feeling that a lot of women in the Western world feel right now, which is that as our rights get rolled back, we feel less and less in control of our lives. Mm -hmm. And there's this real desire and this real dissonance that we've been told from birth that, you know, we can have it all. We can have the 40-hour a week career and we can make six figures and we can also go home to our apartments and cook dinner for ourselves and not for any man but that life was always an illusion. It was never actually possible under capitalism. We were all aspiring towards a life that was actually made possible by the invisible labor of women. Like, men would work 40 hours a week and come home to a home-cooked meal because they had a wife at home. There's no world in which you can actually do that by yourselves. And so responding to this dissonance, this lie that we've been sold, along with our lack of bodily control, our lack of bodily autonomy, and there's this real desire to go back to a time where you didn't have to make any decisions. Mm -hmm. Like, I I have jokingly said I would take a lobotomy right now. I don't actually want a lobotomy. I probably would have been lobotomized at some point, but like, (laughs) I'm glad I'm not in the era where where that would have happened. But I understand the desire to have someone else tell you what to do Mm -hmm. because in not having autonomy, it really feels like there is nothing else for us to do, so might as well have somebody else tell us what to do. But that's not the right reaction here. The right reaction is to grasp back whatever autonomy we have left. And whether that means, again, rapidly eating peanut butter over a sink because it's all you got time to eat, or, you know, reverting to the homestead to get away from the government, I just, like, <laughs> at least do it with the full autonomy and bodily agency
2: that you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think what we're really trying to say, guys, is that Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, <laughs> original trad wife. <laughs> okay, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. That way, you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify, and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at icymi_pod, underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like... Are you going to have a girl dinner or a big boy brunch today? And you can always drop us a note at icyymi at slate.com.
1: Icy YMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, Candace Lim, and me, Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See
2: you online. Or in Canada, I guess.